Welcome to Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp in the studio. Scott, we've got a a special guest on today. Yes, we're going to be talking uh, to Linda. She's uh, got. Uh, she's the organizer of the Tilligree Open Gardens uh, later on in October. Right, we'll find out a little bit more about that and what's happening there. Also, what else you got lined up for yeah, us? Yeah, I think we might also talk today about uh, yellowing gardenias, uh, basil plants. Time to put them into the ground. Basil plants. Yes. Oh, righto. From what plants or seeds? Uh, no, I'd put them in as plants now. Oh, okay, righto. Yeah, it's time. Right. It's Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM and the Tilligree Open Gardens coming up in late October, is it, Scott? Yeah, they are. They're coming up uh, around uh, 23 October, that being a Sunday. Right, yeah, so only a, a few weeks away. It is, but we thought we would have a quick chat with the organiser of the uh, the Open Garden uh, scheme they've got going up there. This is uh, Linda. Hello, Scott. Uh, how are you? Yes, good, thank you, Linda. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you. Thank you for offering to uh, have a little chat to us about the uh, about the open gardens. Uh, fantastic. Uh, look, I know there is some way away, but we want to get people, you know, nice and organised so they can get tickets. Uh, let them know what it's all about. What because it's uh, any uh, profits are going to be uh, going to a fantastic cause as well. So um, that's I might, right. Yeah, I might let you just tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll go on to the gardens. So the proceeds of the sales of the ticket go to the Tilligree Community Association. And that's a not-for-profit um, community event that is currently raising funds for the lighting of the gates at Tanilba Bay. There's a set of historic gates at each end of Avenue of the Allies that are made from stone. And so they're trying to raise the money to get them this at night, which will be lovely. It will be. And look, I, I got myself really organised this morning, printed off a picture <laughs> of the gates, and they are absolutely magnificent. Uh, it's are. a wonder they haven't been lit before. So that that's just going to be a, a great addition uh, for the community. I mean, what a just a great thing to go up there and have a look at those gates. Um, you know, really quite stunning. They are. They were once part of the whole estate. And, of course, Tanilba House is one of the gardens that's going to be open as part of the um, Open Garden Day. So it's um, very relevant to them as well. Now, I might get you then, we'll start with Tanilba House, just to, okay. you know, a little bit about the gardens up there. Um, they've got three acres and they're up the top in Castle Crescent and they overlook Susan Bay. Um, Tanilba House was actually established in 1830, so it's it's quite old, and a lot of people don't actually even realise that it exists. It's a, it's a lovely place. Um, they've also got arguably one of the oldest olive trees in Australia. Oh, so, and is it still fruiting, doing doing the it's right still thing? Still fruiting, wow. yes, it is. It's 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 amazing. So um, it's it's actually got a temple um what else is up there a fabulous wisteria arbor which mm, i'm not sure will still be out by end of october yeah, it might, might be some remnant on there but oh yeah pit, pity. Be, yeah. <laughs> yeah and and the views from up there look spectacular out across the water as well is that correct that's correct yeah, yeah it yeah, is great that's the um, park there beautiful okay look now just a couple of the other gardens as well you might uh, fill us in about those Sure. Well, there's Heaven Gardens. That's another one of the large gardens. They're on five acres at Saltash. Um, they've got their garden divided into two main areas. Um, there's like some formal gardens and then there's like a natural wetlands with a, a great big um, pond in the middle. It's more of, more of a dam, really, um, with a little boardwalk that goes around it that's got perch in it, I believe. So plenty of um, walking up there at uh, Heaven's Gardens? 
Yes, yes, plenty of walking. Um, grass, mostly grass paths. Um, the the road, the driveway in is um, gravel, so that would be okay. But mostly level, mostly level. Okay, and what about Barangi? Barangi, that's our garden. <laughs> ah, so you're going to know know intimately then. I do, I do. So we're on three and a half acres here, um, and it's it's kind of a, a mishmash of all different styles. I, I sort of plant things that not really shouldn't go well together, but end up looking quite good. So we've got natives, and then we've got more traditional plants like camellias and azaleas, and then there's some formal hedges and um, and just lots of really interesting plants. Um, we're right into the reuse, recycle. So we try and sort of use a lot of um, reclaimed uh, timbers and stone um, throughout the garden just, just to make it a bit more interesting. Oh, very nice. Now, your soil conditions would be very different to Upper and Nelson's Bay, though. I was up there during uh, during the week on the on the Thursday uh, that we had off, and I was just having all a look right. around at all the sort of the wonderful eclectic gardens are up there at Nelson's Bay, but your soil conditions would be uh, very different at Tanilba Bay? Tanilba is very sandy. We're a bit more peaty down here at um, Saltash. So both Heaven Gardens and myself are at Saltash. Our soils are a bit more loamy here, but yeah, very sandy up towards Tanilba Bay and the Lemon Tree and the Malabula Gardens, very sandy. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Now, Tilligree Open Gardens, Sunday 23 October this year, mm-hmm. starting at about 10am and going till 3pm. There's some differences there with uh, Tanilba House, I notice. Where can people get tickets? Okay, tickets online at trybooking.com. They're $10 for all the gardens, so I think it's really great value. Um, and you'll get emails out, not only your ticket, but close to the event, we'll email out a map and a flyer with some information on the whole nine gardens. Um, And there's also a Facebook uh, group that you can join, Tilligree Open Gardens, uh, which contains information about each of the gardens and more ticketing information, that sort of stuff. There will be some paper tickets available on the day in limited numbers. Uh, and details about those will be released closer to the time. Oh, fantastic. I notice you've also got children under 16 free, so that's wonderful. Free? Yep. Yeah. yep. Take the grandkids, take the kids yeah. up, have yeah, a look around. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Okay, look, this is a fantastic uh, initiative uh, up there at uh, Tilligree Open Gardens. Uh, it's helping the Tilligree Community Association there, lighting the entrance gates to Tanilba Bay. What a great event, uh, 23 October. I think we might have a chat with you a little bit closer to time as well, if that's all right, Linda. You can certainly do that. I'll give you an update. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you, Scott. Cheers. We've got Sharon from Glendale, and she's got a question about apple cucumbers. Good afternoon, Sharon. How can we help you? Well, we used to have chocos, but I don't eat chocos. Oh, my husband loves them. Everyone loves them, but I don't want to peel them. I don't like them. I don't care. My granddaughter and I ripped out the pines. Anyway, planted choco, um, choco, apple cucumber. Yeah, yeah. I said to my husband, I said, hey, that's all right, we can grow that up the vine. Yes. It was three, once, twice, three times I said that to him. Now we keep saying, no, nah, you can grow that up the vine. I went, oh, I don't know if it's strong enough. Yeah, look, they're, they're not really strong enough. They're not. They'll, they'll sort of climb, but they cucumbers prefer to sort of ramble across the ground. 
yeah. yeah, that's when they'll do. That's when they'll actually do better. Um, so yeah, look, that that is the best place to grow them. You know, pick yourself a good spot, uh, nice full sun. Yeah. Let them run out across the ground. Uh, look, if with- you asked me two months ago, I would have said I had no snow or slugs. Now I started gardening. Guess what happened? Oh, they've all come in. Yeah, they've all come probably coming for the cucumbers. I'd love to eat those. Uh, oh, but, uh, oh, sorry. That's but all right. Everything else. Yeah, so look. Oh, uh, rock melons and watermelons and everything's gone. So I think you probably need to get some uh, snail bait out there and yeah, try and... Yeah, I've brought three boxes now. First time in my life I've brought them. Good, good idea. Now, get that, always put those under a sort of a little snail trap like an old ice cream container or something with a brick on it and cut some holes so the snails could get in. But any sort of blue tongue lizards or anything can't get in there and, you know, eat the bait. So that's important to do that. Yeah. Um, now, with your, uh, your cucumbers, once it starts to get humid, you have to be really careful about them because they will get fungal diseases very easily. So you need to spray them with a fungicide of some sort. When you see the flower That's on... Like the um, tomato thingamajigger. Oh, no, look, you need to go go to your local garden centre. They'll be able to sell you a fungicide. Uh, there's a copper spray you can get, which is very good for uh, cucumbers. Uh, when you see the flowers come out as well, also time to give them a spray then because they can get a blossom end rot. So that fungicide is really important to try and keep, uh, you know, all the bad things away from your cucumbers. <laughs> yeah, well, you've, you've got those, but the the, the fungal diseases oh, will come along later. Contain, um, um, ice cream, um, drink contains and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Because they die and everything else and, oh, God. Okay, well, good luck with that. And, um, yeah, the, the cucumbers won't do so much climbing for you, but, uh, yeah, good luck uh, with some fruit on those. Oh, hold me up. I... Just said, no, no, I can grow them up there because it's like fine. Now he wants to grow watermelons off of No, 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 rock melons, no, 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 no. It's not like that. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay, <laughs> not a problem. Question. Thanks for the call. Okay, bye Bye-bye. We've got Carl now from Stroud, and he's got beetles on his garlic. Hey, Carl, what's been happening? Oh, not much, Scott. I've just been growing garlic last few years, and... This year, I've got this little black beetle, like a animal, or pest on my garlic, and I just, I've asked other gardeners around town, and they've never experienced it. And are they, they're doing some damage, like they're little sap-sucking insects, are they? I think so. Yeah. They, they don't seem to fly when you disturb them, but they're all over the stem and the foliage. Okay, so look, you are going to have to treat that to, uh, to try and get them under control. Mate, I would go grab some pyrethrum spray. Um, and just give them a spray with that. It's nice and safe. You know, if there's bees around, not going to be too harmful to them um, and just generally to the environment. So some pyrethrum spray on those beetles, that should get them under control for you. Yeah, all right. No worries. Thanks for that, Scott. Okay, good on you, Carl. Thanks for the call, mate. mate. Bye. And we've got Louise from Glendale, and she's trying to strike some cutting from a Mr Lincoln Rose. Good afternoon, Louise. How can we help you? Oh, hi, Scotty. Um, I've got a Mr. Lincoln rose tree. It's over 20 years old, and I was out gardening yesterday, and I noticed it's dying quite a bit. So I cut the dead bit out, but I've still got a couple of branches left on it, and I want to know how to take a cutting. 
Yeah, you can certainly take cuttings um, from that tree. Now, the only trouble with doing that is that it's not going to be on the rootstock, the same rootstock that's most probably on the grafted one that you've got now. But right. That doesn't mean you can't do it. It's um, absolutely fine to do that. Uh, so you just take your cuttings. Uh, you always do them where there's a uh, one of the little buds coming out. Yep. And so you sort of have that bud in the middle, and you have a little bit above that, and then some, uh, you know, some green stalk below that, and you put that into the ground or into the potting mix, uh, and that should strike from there. Now you can also use, uh, you can dip that uh, cutting in some honey if you want to, or into uh, some striking powder. I've got that. Uh, yes, because yep. that's really important. Uh, now, look, the main thing, though, once you do actually get some growth on that rose, um, little cutting, is to leave it for quite a long time, pretty much a year, in fact. Um, right. Because the, the root system is very, very weak on a rose cutting when it's starting off. So you have to leave it, uh, you know, nice and safe inside a pot um, yep. for quite a long period of time. And uh, after that year's over, then you can, you know, tip it out and put it in the ground and uh, off you go that way. Right, because yeah. it's got such a beautiful smell, you know. Oh, um, look, yeah, Mr. Lincoln is one of the, you know, the best old red roses with that fantastic smell uh, and a really, really strong flower as well. So, uh, look, you certainly can do that. Do lots of cuttings, you know, from right. lots, of, lots of bits and, you know, places over the plants. Um, you know, go and buy yourself, you know, a dozen, 15 sort of pots of it. Uh, yep. You know, use that uh, that that uh, striking powder that you've got, yep. and uh, a nice uh, you know potty mix of some type. You know, always get a good potty mix. Uh, yeah, you could get a seed raising potty mix, for instance. You know, something that's a little bit well drained. Okay. Uh, yeah. And if you could I hadn't do... known it was going to do that, I would have taken cuttings a couple of years ago. You know. Yeah, but look, if if the plant's still growing uh, and there's still green on there. Uh, the cuttings should strike for you. Don't don't think that they won't. And right. once you've got them in the pots and you've done all those other things with it, just water it as normal. No fertilizer at this point in time. Um, you know, after about two or three months, when some growth is coming uh, on there for you, then you might give it a nice light dose of sea salt to promote the the root system of the plant. And, okay. and then maybe a little while after that, uh, you know, once you're seeing some, you know, better growth on the plant, then you can use a, a liquid fertiliser, a more general okay, liquid fertiliser. Okay, because it just flowers and flowers and, um, yeah, it's just so beautiful, but it's the only rose I've got left, you know, oh, at the moment. Okay, so. and, and have you given it a really good hard cutback as well? No, because um, I cut one, of you know, how you have the rogue, those rogue... Um, branch it sort of comes out you know it's red yes um i think you call it a rogue i don't know what you call it so i cut that off but um where it was tall it had died and i cut that right back but i didn't cut it on an angle like you're supposed to but i thought well i'll just cut this out and it was dead as that part so we'll just fingers crossed and see how we go yeah okay and look as you said you always cut it at an angle usually just above the bud uh, yeah. And and that provides uh, you know a nice clean cut there for you. You don't get die back and uh, yeah. So give it a go. See if you can get some cuttings out of it. Roses are one of the easiest to do, but you just have to leave them alone uh, for <laughs> about twelve months. Uh, otherwise, you disturb that root system. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Okay. Thanks for the call, Louise. Okay. Bye now. Bye bye. Well, we got the bill now from Shortland, and he wants to know which sort of mesh to use, white or black, when putting over a community garden. Hello, Bill. You've got a community garden going out there, have you? Yes, we have here at Shortland. So um, 
yeah, the question was, um, is it oh, the best idea? Should we use the white netting on it or should we use the black? We're thinking of the black because, um, you know, you can sort of see through it. And um, But anyway, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, it really doesn't have any effect on the plant. Uh, you just want to be thinking about what, you know, what are you trying to keep out, I guess, and the size of the, the gaps in the mesh. Uh, the other thing when you are meshing, uh, you know, if you're trying to keep possums or any little land-based animals, um, you know, out, you have to make sure you peg it nice and tight um, down to the ground. You know, you could put a stake yeah. out horizontally if you wanted to and sort of peg that along. Um, so they are the most important things to do. Um, but as far as the colour of it, no, look, that's not going to have any, you know, effect on the plant. Um, it really just, come, yeah, it just comes down to appearances in the end. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, probably maybe the black might, appear better from a distance instead of sort of standing out of the white. Yeah, look, the only other thing is, in, you know, I guess if you've got it, uh, you know, meshed with the black in the, you know, in the really, really hot summer, it is going to absorb more heat. Um, mm. So you might get sun burning effect there. I, I think I wouldn't be too worried about that, though. Uh, look, no. Yeah. When you're going to mesh, you're going to just be draping it over the plant or trying to peg it up, uh, you know, and keep the actual mesh off the plant as well. Now, it's going to be fully enclosed. We, we're doing it, and, and there's a guy putting it in uh, from up at Rutherford. Yes. And it'll be all pegged into the ground and sealed, and it'll have doors that you can shut and, and keep all sorts of insects out and uh, and mainly keep the cockatoos out. Ah, yes, yeah, they, they can be, uh, you know, pretty clever. They'll probably, uh, you know, undo the padlock and get in there if you don't watch out. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty smart. That's <laughs> right. I didn't realise all cockatoos, they're pretty much left-handed. Well, left right. clawed, left yes. Clawed. Yeah, so when you're driving along and you see them by the side of the road, they're always picking up the seed and putting it in the mouth with their left claw. Something about them. Right. Well, I've never noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone might, might be able to help out with some more information <laughs> about that as well. But good luck <laughs> with the cockatoos out there at Shortland, Bill. Right, yeah, thanks for that. Thanks, yeah. Man. Okay, bye-bye. Left clawed, you say? I left clawed, you watch. They're always there going... Doing that, putting yeah. the seed in their mouth. I'm going to be looking at that from now on. Most definitely. Galahs as well. Really? Yeah, cockies. I don't know about the black ones. You know the. Do you think it's all birds? No, apparently it's cockatoos. Someone might be able to help us out. Right. Yep. Maybe. Yep. It's or the internet. <laughs> and Scott, you mentioned yellow gardenias at the top of the hour. Yes, it's yellowing gardenia time. Uh, fantastic plant, uh, really, you know, beautiful, beautiful fragrant flowers, green glossy leaves. There's Magnificat, the taller growing one, uh, Ocean Pearl gets to about, you know, a metre or so. Uh, and there's also Florida, which is probably the best one for hedging, about one and a half metres. Yep. Uh, it's got sort of the medium sized flower on it. Um, but at this time of year, they're all of a sudden, you know, the, the days are getting longer. And they just start to grow, 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 and it starts to suck all the iron and magnesium out of the soil, and they just sort of can't get enough to, to uh, you know, keep up with it, and so they start to get some yellow uh, growth. Okay, right. Um, yeah. Happens if they're in a pot. Also, will happen in the ground as well. Yeah. Uh, so you do need to uh, try and give your uh, gardenias a little bit of a boost uh, at this time of year. Yep. Now you can do that uh, using iron chalates. Iron shalates. Iron shalates, yes. Yep. So, uh, you know, I guess you could get some old nails, rusty nails, and put them in there. But uh, iron shalates, <laughs> you just mix it up in the watering can uh, and, and water it around. Magnesium also. But I guess if you're doing that, uh, you're probably best to, you know, get the old Epsom salts. 
and uh, mix those up, you know, trace elements and water those into the soil around the plant. You can also water it over the plant as well. It'll be absorbed in through the leaves. They also love cow manure at this time of year, so they like slightly acidic soil. So plenty of cow manure as well. And then just plenty of water as well. I know it's been raining a lot, uh, but if you've got a, uh, you know, a plant that's in a pot, don't give it cow manure because that'll burn it. But you yep. can certainly give it the trace elements and, and uh, iron chalates. Uh, and then just make sure it's being really well watered because they're growing very, very much at, at this time of year and they just use up whatever's in the soil. So you have to uh, give them a little bit of a boost. Right, so rusty nails into the soil. You could do that if you wanted to as sort of a long-term thing. But what often happens is that people, uh, you know, say, oh, it's all going yellow and they need to scrabble really quickly. Um, you know, to, to try and get the plant up and running again. And so it's like they're, you know, like they started off too fast in the car and the tyres haven't got traction. So that's why you have to give them iron chalates or trace elements to try and get a quick boost in there and give some grip to the old uh, gardenia so that it can uh, have its nice green glossy leaves and not yellow ones. Right. I do like that word, chalates. We can use it as many times as you want here this afternoon if you like. Chalate, chalate. You mentioned a basil as well. We've got to start putting our basil in now. Yes, because we all love to have it in our lasagna, our pastas. Gen- general pasta dishes. General pasta dishes, yeah. Look fantastic. Um, Salads. Pop it in a bit of salad. Was it a bit bitter for salad? Oh, no, I don't know. No, I, look, I don't know about the yeah, air. There might be a little bit bitter. That's not my, my style. I'm more for the lasagna. Fair play. Yep. So it is time it, uh, to put it into the garden. It prefers the warm weather. That's why we don't have it uh, in winter. It just dies off the old sweet basil. Yep. Uh, it is the most popular one. When you're growing it yourself, you get the best taste. You know, We won't bag out the ones in the supermarket because no, we are able to get them year-round, but do they have that uh, sort of taste of the the, uh, the greenhouse or the hothouse that they're most probably yep. grown in to keep them going all year-round? Much more flavoursome if, uh, if you're growing them yourself. Look, there's also Thai basil. Um, there's purple basil as well. The old purple basil. Yeah, it's a smaller leaf, but uh, it it uh, doesn't quite have the taste of the sweet basil, but it is uh, still very nice. Um, Greek basil, and there is perennial basil as well. Now, uh, perennial basil will sort of go all year round, but it, uh, I guess like sweet basil, it sort of goes off a little bit uh, over winter, so you don't get uh, you know quite as much growth as you might want. Um, but it uh, doesn't quite have that that really nice sweet taste of the uh, you know the old fashioned sweet basil. There's also lemon basil out there. Never tasted that one myself, but uh, would love to have that in in pasta. I don't think I've had lemon basil. No, that, that lemon would... myrtle, yeah, but not lemon. Yeah, not lemon basil. I'm going to be really nice. So you just have that, you know, that sort of pungy taste of both of them there all in together. So um, basil, um, you can grow it in a pot if you want to. So if you're in an apartment, uh, you can grow it out on the veranda. You just need some pots, nice full sun. Try and get it out of the sun, I guess, at about uh, three o'clock in the afternoon if you can. Yep. So move it around a little bit. Uh, grow it on the windowsill inside the house as well because it's nice and warm there. Um, and just expect that it's going to uh, give up the ghost, you know, sort of mid-May and uh, get ready to plant it again this time of year right yeah i just did a heap of seeds is that pointless no look that's all right have they they come up yet or no i said i did about two weeks ago two weeks ago <laughs> okay look they they still will germinate uh you know i guess a few more of those longer days some more heat in the soil up they'll come for you did you put them in pots or just sort of sprinkle them around the yard i sprinkled them in a, in a little garden bed oh but did you rake it over yeah i raked it over okay, yeah okay. i did like a little ditch yep about i don't know half a finger yep and then just sprinkle them all in. Okay, it's been raining. I Across reckon I'll germinate for you. Before you know it, you'll have little basil plants going crazy. I hope so. Yeah, you'll be cooking up a feast for us. I did rocket as well. I'll oh, just, that's easy to grow. So you'll be right with that. 
I will be. Yeah, yeah, right. you'd be right with the rocket. Uh, main thing with rocket though is don't let it go to seed. Lift off. Yeah, I, <laughs> I always say just keep on cutting it back all the time. Keeps nice, fresh, new growth on there. Doesn't get that sort of leathery, bitter taste, and it doesn't go to seed. So, lots of cutting back with your rocket. All right, even if you're not using it, just go and give it a not light slip, snip back, and it'll keep it nice and fresh for you. All right, you can use that for pesto as well. You can too. Half the fun. Rocket and pesto and basil. You are going to cook up a storm for us. I'm going to be on fire. That's very, very good. (laughs) Scott Sharp, that's all we've got time for this week. I'll catch you again next Monday, I guess. Oh, hang on. Oh, hang on. Yes, I was told that it's a public holiday. It Uh, might be two weeks then. Two weeks and we'll be back. Thank you for pulling me up on that as well because I would have missed out on it. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. Catch you guarding talk back again in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.